Gracious God, help us to follow your way of the cross, which is the way of life. Amen. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. St. Paul wrote those words in a letter to the Corinthians, and we know them from our Eucharistic celebrations. On Good Friday, those words take on an even deeper resonance as we consider Jesus' death as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This Holy Week, the sermons have been focusing on different ways of interpreting and understanding the cross of Christ. Today, as the cross is on full display, we consider the cross through the lens of Passover. Even before Israel was a nation, the Passover was a part of Jewish identity. The people were enslaved in Egypt, and God became their savior. The event that led to their release from enslavement was the Passover. There was a plague of death that swept through Egypt, killing every firstborn child. However, the Hebrew people were saved from this death by God's instructions to take a lamb, slaughter it and eat it, and smear some of its blood on the doorpost of their homes. This would signal to death to pass over that family. And it was this plague of death that caused Pharaoh to relent and let the people go. God then led the people out of Egypt and into the promised land, providing their final salvation from slavery at the Red Sea as the waters were driven back and the people passed through on dry land. And from this point on, the idea of sacrifice was embedded in the tradition as lambs, goats, and bulls were routinely offered to God. The reading from Isaiah gives us insight into this mindset. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before his shearers. So he did not open his mouth. He bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This understanding of a sacrifice that saves the people is then attached to Jesus when John the Baptist refers to him as the Lamb of God. Jesus himself carries this mantle when he teaches that he is the Good Shepherd and that love has no higher expression than to lay down one's life for another. This idea of sacrifice had become embedded in the peoples of understanding of how sacrifice worked. Sacrifices were tangible demonstrations of the truth of God's provision and mercy. And lest we think that we are superior to them or that we have evolved past that idea, we have practices that might seem just as silly to others. You know, it's almost tax day. So think about tax credits. You owe a particular amount of money, and yet you don't have to pay part of it because maybe you lost some money in business or you donated money to charity. In both instances, we are let off the hook for paying what is owed. 
In one instance, it's through a sacrifice. In another, it's with a made-up numbers game. But the fact of the matter is that different cultures have different ways of understanding that we can be let out of debts that we have accrued. The saving events of the Passover are recalled annually in the Jewish faith, including in the year that Jesus was crucified. John, in his telling of the Passion, hyperlinks this idea of sacrifice to the death of Jesus. He writes, Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. It's not so much that John was trying to be a journalist who wanted to give us the exact date and time of the crucifixion. Instead, he's pointing us toward what this means. Noon, on the day of preparation, is the time that the lambs are slaughtered for the Passover celebration. It is no coincidence that this is the exact time that the people shout, crucify him, as Jesus is led away to Golgotha. It is why we gather at noon, some 2,000 years later. So when we look upon the cross, what do we gain by seeing that Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us? For those who were embedded within that culture of sacrifice, the meaning was obvious. Just as the people had been spared from the plague of death by the blood of the Passover lamb, so too are we spared from the finality of death by Jesus. And the reason why we can be confident of eternal life in God is that this has been demonstrated by the death of Jesus. They would have understood this as well as the great reversal that happens on Good Friday. No longer do the people have to offer sacrifices to God for the forgiveness of their sins, but rather as Hebrews puts it, we can have boldness before the throne of God because Jesus has put an end to all sacrificing as he himself becomes the final and ultimate sacrifice to take away the sin of the world. Now, sometimes people will ask, why did there need to be so much blood? Couldn't God have forgiven us without a sacrifice? The answer is, of course, yes. God can do anything that God wants to. But God chooses to offer salvation in such a way that it would make sense to the people who saw it happen. Jesus, who has been called the Lamb of God, is executed on the same day and at the same time that the Passover lambs are being slaughtered. Sometimes people say, well, I just need a sign and then I would believe. Well, as far as signs go, it doesn't get any more obvious than this. And if we were waiting for a literal sign, there's even one placed on the cross that reads, Jesus, the King of the Jews. Sure, that was the charge against him. It was intended as a cruel joke, but it was the truest thing that's ever been written. The sacrifice shows us that violence never wins because love is stronger. And we may never have a full or sufficient answer for why there remains evil and suffering in our world. The cross does not necessarily answer that for us. 
But the cross does, without question, tell us what the answer is not. And the answer is not that God does not care or that God does not love us. No, that cannot be it. In Jesus, God demonstrates a love beyond our ability to fathom. The creator of all that is comes to us in the flesh and is subjected to our ridicule and rejection. Jesus suffers shame and torture. He suffers an excruciating death. If God did not care about us, there is no way that God would do this. If God did not love us, there is no explaining Good Friday. Now, up to this point in history, God had been known as the one who called and redeemed Israel. And this was solidified when God saved the people in Egypt and led them through the Red Sea. And in the cross, God is doubling down on this identity. God saves us, not by a miracle from on high with another plague or the parting of the waters, but instead in Jesus, God takes on that plague of death himself and blazes the trail from death into eternal life. In Jesus, God is doing for all of creation, for all of us, what had already been done for Israel. It is why Jesus said, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Jesus is the sacrifice that allows all of us to pass over from guilt to forgiveness, from fear to hope, from death to life. In Hebrews, we heard that Jesus was obedient in his suffering. One theologian has said that the heart of sacrifice is obedience. In taking something and then giving it to God, we demonstrate our trust in God and how much truer when what we give God is our lives. Obedience is at the heart of sacrifice because it puts us in alignment with God. Obedience is not about just springing to attention and doing whatever we are ordered. No, obedience is about being in harmony with God. In obedience, we trust that all things belong to God and that God is a life-giving, liberating, and loving God. So nothing that we give to God can ever be lost, only transformed. Jesus does not lose his life on the cross. It is opened wider so that it can be given to us all. It's a truth we would all do well to learn from. Obedience to God, just like walking the way of the cross, truly is the way of life and peace. Now, throughout the New Testament, the authors all struggle to explain exactly how the death of Jesus is a sacrifice. And yet they all direct us towards this sacrificial understanding of Jesus as the personification and the perfection of Passover. And one thing that they are all very clear on is that through the cross, the love and liberation of God flow forth 
just as the blood flowed forth from Jesus' side. Just as the first Passover was about God's great love for the people that led to their liberation, so too does Jesus' cross assure us of just how foundational and true it is to say, God is love. It is a love that makes all things well. And this is what Jesus directs us towards when at the very end, with his final breath, he declares, it is finished. There is nothing else for us to do when it comes to our salvation, only to receive it. There is nothing else for us to worry about when it comes to forgiveness, only to enjoy it. There is nothing else for us to fear about death, only to pass through it, just as the people passed through the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. There is nothing else for us to focus on, only the love of God that goes to the cross to make it clear that all has been made well. It is finished because Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us.